Today's episode is brought to you by the Nuance Dragon Ambient Experience, or DAX for short. This is AI-powered ambient technology that helps physicians be more efficient and reduce clinical documentation burden. This is awesome technology. To learn more about how DAX Copilot can help reduce burnout and restore the joy of practicing medicine, ophthalmology, and other areas of medicine as well, visit nuance.com slash discover DAX. That's N-U-A-N-C-E dot com slash discover D-A-X. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Knock Knock I with Dr. Glockenflecken. That's me. I'm your host for this whirlwind adventure in the world of eyeball infectious diseases today. Uh, this is, uh, uh, people have been asking for this episode. We're going to be talking about herpes simplex keratitis, retinitis, uveitis, herpes simplex virus diseases that affect the eye. Uh, and so uh, we're going to get to that in a second. Very, very exciting. If you've ever wanted to know how herpes can affect the eyeball, this is this is where you want to be right now, nowhere else. Uh, but uh, before we get to that, uh, let's uh, talk a little bit about my recent call. I had three times a year. I know, I know. All of you who take a lot of call are going to roll your eyes. Incredibly difficult. Just don't sprain them if you if you can avoid it. Um, I, 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 three times a year, I take one week of call. It's part of the perk of being in the practice. I am, I, 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 that was one thing that drew me into it. Cause I know is, you know, no one, no one really enjoys taking call. I mean, actually, I won't say that sometimes it is very rewarding to take call, but there's not a lot of enjoyment to it because you know, you're, you're working after hours, you're missing dinner with your family, you're going in late in the evening and and sometimes in the middle of the night, God forbid. And uh, so it's not a fun experience, but uh, which is why I was very excited whenever I interviewed at the practice that I'm currently at. And it was like, oh, three, maybe four weeks of call per year. I was like, great. I just finished residency where I was on call every fourth night. This sounds awesome. Uh, and so that's the big difference really between one of the big differences between um, uh, training and uh, being out in practice. Uh, and uh, in, when you're in residency, so I did residency at the University of Iowa, big level one trauma center. Everything I related goes to the residents. You're learning. You're like, you need to see as many patients as you possibly can uh, just to, to see all the different situations you can find yourself in so that whenever you leave training and you're in your job, you are, are ready. You're ready to take on whatever comes your way. So in residency, it's very busy call and it's home call. So you're like constantly going back and forth. It would not, it wouldn't, and commonly I would be up all night seeing, you know, trauma patients that come in, orbital fractures, open globes, whatever it is, along with all the other stuff that comes in. So uh, once I started this job, I was very happy to only have to do three weeks of call per year. And so I just had one of those weeks and uh, I thought I'd just uh, tell you how it went. Uh, so my call, uh, I, I take call for all of our practices patients. Uh, and so if they have a problem, maybe they've had surgery or they're having some kind of eye symptom and they want to get some advice, they can call our office and it reaches me through the answering service and I give them a call. And then I also, we also cover four community hospitals. Uh, so these are not level one trauma centers. These are not university hospitals. These are 
smaller hospitals, you know, a little bit away from the, the metro, on the outskirts of the metro area. And, um, and one thing about this, you might say, you might think, well, that sounds really busy. Four hospitals. That's a lot of hospitals. But the thing is, it's different than like taking a residency call at a university medical center. When you're out in the community, these hospitals, the, the emergency physicians, all of the physicians at these hospitals, they, they take care of things themselves. They do a lot. They're very knowledgeable. And, um, and, and you know that if they're giving you a call, it's like, seriously, they, they need help. They, they've encountered something that's beyond their area of expertise. Um, sometimes in residency, it's just, Hey, let's call the resident because we got a thousand other things to do. And, and, uh, you know, it's a resident, like they need education, they need experience. You don't get those types of calls out in the community. All right. Because emergency physicians, like they know how to take care of a lot of the common eye problems that come up. So I give them a lot of credit for making my call very manageable uh, every time I have to do it. That being said, I still hate it. It's it's call. I, I'm still I don't want to go in in the middle of the night. Um, but I'll tell you how it went. It was actually a very very straightforward. Very uh, I can say that now, uh, and avoiding any superstition backlash. But uh, it was a very easy call. I did have to go in twice. Uh, so the first time I went in uh, was in the evening, so not in the middle of the night. And it was uh, for a, uh, a patient who had an eye trauma, had a, um, a, a, like a, a, one of those fire pit rocks explode. Did you know that those can explode? This, is, this was news to me. I had no idea this happens. So apparently these rocks can, especially in a place like Portland or the Pacific Northwest where it rains all the time, they can absorb, absorb moisture. And then if you, if you, light up those rocks, you heat them up, they can, they can explode, which is, is why I'm telling you right now, you're, how about, here's, here's your, one of your eyeball tips of the week, uh, always wear safety glasses when around a fire pit. You don't really have to do that, but, uh, but be aware <laughs> that this is a possibility that, these, that those fire pit rocks that you see in like oh, every fire pit, they can explode. And um, of course, when things tend to explode, while you're looking at them, they tend to find the eyeball. Um, now, fortunately, this patient was okay. But most of the time when I come in, uh, trauma, traumas are hard uh, uh, to, to, because sometimes the eye is really swollen. It's difficult to get a look at the eye to make sure everything's healthy and there's no open globe injury. Sometimes the, the, the imaging, the CT scan, which every patient will get uh, when they have facial trauma. Sometimes it's inconclusive. You can't really know if there's either a foreign body there or it's an open globe or something more serious. So most of the time, if I'm coming in, I, I'd say the vast majority of the cases are, are trauma cases. So basically, I, I came in just because I was concerned enough. I, I, I wanted to, to the, the, the emergency physician was, very, was pretty confident in saying that they don't think there's an open globe. But in, sometimes in those cases, I just, I need to convince myself and it is also very reassuring to the patient, especially and the family in cases of trauma to have an eye doctor say, okay, your eye is okay. Like that's, that's extremely reassuring as you can imagine. Right. So I went in, I, I took a look at everything and the eye was totally fine. So it ended up, I didn't have to do anything. Thank goodness. Uh, and it really wasn't that much of an inconvenience to me because it, you know, and, uh, but I would have done it anyway, whatever time. Uh, so that was the first time I went into the community hospital. And then another one, uh, <laughs> I actually went in. This is like the first time I've done this in a while. 
I went in to see a patient that had a corneal metallic foreign body, like metal grinding, you know, that, that kind of thing. Um, normally those, those aren't like pants patients. I don't have to come in to see those, but this is very fortuitous because I was, it was on the weekend. It was like a Saturday afternoon. And I was, uh, um, I was already, uh, downtown Portland, uh, just running errands, doing things. And, um, and the hospital paged me like while I was like three blocks away. So I was like, well, let's, let's do it. Let's get it done. Also, I didn't want to, um, make this patient like wait, you know, 48 hours, sometimes 72 hours with a, with a metallic foreign body on the cornea. Cause that can cause lots of inflammation and stuff. So I just went right in. They were amazed with how fast I got there, by the way. It's, I don't know if they were, th there's three things that they could have been impressed by. Uh, one is I am very well known in the emergency medicine community. They've seen all my videos, they see the costumes. And so a lot of times I'll, I'll get like, you know, like a double take, like, whoa, oh, are you, you're, you're the guy, you're the TikTok guy. You're the, you're the doctor on TikTok. I'm like, yeah, yeah. So I usually do get recognized. Uh, and, um, and so it maybe they were surprised by that, or maybe they were just surprised that they were able to get an ophthalmologist into the emergency department within like 15 minutes. I, I, I don't know. One of the two, probably equal parts surprise anyway. Uh, and everything went great. I, I, I actually taught the emergency physician how to my method of removing a corneal foreign body. I just have a little tool I use that I can dig it out. But um, I think I've talked about that on this, on this podcast before, but anyway. Uh, so that was, um, that was the other time. And other than that, not a lot of phone calls, pretty straightforward. Yeah. It's a good call. And, and it's, it's when I say that there's like some satisfaction in doing call, I don't particularly enjoy it, but, but it is, the, the patients that you see in the hospital, in the emergency department, everyone gets, uh, of course, they get very concerned when something's going on with their eye. And so it's just a, it's just a very rewarding experience to go in and be able to either treat or reassure someone that they're not going blind, that their eye's okay. And so that's the part of call I like. Like that's, that's very, that makes you feel good, right? Like you really did help this person, either just help them feel better relay their, allay their fears, or you, you really did, you did a procedure or surgery or something to save their vision. So it's, it's just a very, that, that can be very rewarding. The timing, not so much, but, um, that's okay. That's what happens. That's, that's, that's part of taking call. All right. So let's get to our case of, um, of herpes simplex virus infection of the eye. All right. So let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. All right, here we go. Hope you're uh, you're ready for this. You're on your commute. You're uh, listening on your lunch break. <laughs> Whenever, actually, don't do it on your lunch break. You don't want to listen to stuff about herpes on while you're eating. Maybe you do. I, you know, it, it, especially if you're a medical professional. Like, what does it matter? Like, you're you're constantly doing gross, disgusting things. Like, just just you, you eat when you eat, need to eat, right? All right. So, um, uh, let me just I'll give you a little background about herpes. Whenever I see a patient and they have a herpetic infection, they have a herpes simplex infection, I'm always a little delicate in breaking this news to them and how I break the news to them because nobody likes to hear that they have herpes. There's kind of a, a thing with herpes that scares people. And so I'm very quick, like immediately quick to distinguish that this is not the kind of herpes you get in your genitals. This is not genital herpes. That's herpes simplex virus two, the second one. This is the first one. This one does is not does not come. Does 
you know, I don't know if you, I think you can get it from like, like oral sex, but, but it generally it's, it's, it's it, it, the virus, the, the herpes simplex virus two does not affect the mouth, uh, the, uh, the lips, the nose, the eye. Uh, this is all herpes simplex virus one, the vast majority of which is, is, is not contracted or transmitted through sexual activity. Uh, so, um, uh, Herpes simplex is the most common cause of infectious blindness. All right. In, in the, uh, um, I think that's the world. No, actually, no, that would be, that would just be the United States. Most common cause of infectious blindness in the U.S. Uh, and um, uh, herpes one is much more common than herpes two because we see it all the time. In fact, the seropositivity, that means that uh, you have antibodies to something. The seropositivity, you have antibodies to HSV. Uh, 25% of us by age four, 25% of us by age four. Now, the vast majority of those are, are asymptomatic, subclinical. You don't have any symptoms. You just, you just get the virus somewhere. You, you, you know, get it off a surface, your, your parents, whatever. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, everybody's kissing babies. <laughs> so, uh, it, uh, and so you develop an antibody uh, to the virus at a very early age, 25% of us. That's the case. By the age of 60, 100% of us, all of us, we all have antibodies to HSV-1. So that just shows you just how common this is. It's, 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 not, it's not a rare thing, right? That's why, which is why we see so much of this in the clinic. Right? This is not rare. Um, the question is, does it manifest as symptoms, as disease? So um, what will happen is you'll get the virus and whenever you have a, like a primary infection of HSV, it can, I'd say probably the most common way this manifests is as a, like a lip lesion, right? A cold sore is what we call it. That's herpes. Congratulations, you've, you, you have herpes. And, uh, and uh, kissing is, is a, a, a very common way that people get it, but you know, you, it can be transmitted through, usually it's through saliva or something, you picked it up you know, on your hands and it, you, you rubbed your face, your mouth, or, you know, so it's, it's, but most of the time it's got to be through kind of, it's, it's direct contact with the virus. It's not like aerosolized or something. Um, and so uh, this actually brings me to my real don't do that eyeball tip of the week. Uh, don't kiss anybody with a mouth sore. If you, I mean, a lot of times it, people may not know you have a mouth sore. So if you have a mouth sore, don't kiss anybody. That's a corollary to the don't do that eyeball tip of the week. Uh, uh, just to keep your mouth to yourself if you got a nice juicy sore in there. Uh, so th that's a pretty common, you know, primary infection. You get this, you get a cold sore or something like that. And then it resolves and you think, oh, you're fine. You're fine. And you are, you are. But that virus, it lives dormant in your body, in your nerves. And it can be reactivated of the, it's a, it's a latent virus. It lives in for the, for the, if we're talking about the eye and, and the, the, or this area around the eye, we're talking about the, the trigeminal ganglion, which is just a, a, a collection of nerves. All right. That supplies different things around the eye. And so, um, uh, a lot of the herpes we see is a recurrent herpes infection. That virus has laid dormant. Remember, 25% of us by age four, 60% of us, or sorry, 100% of us by 60 have this, have, have, have dormant virus, all right, because we have the antibodies to it. So we know we've been exposed to it. And then it just, it comes out. So um, the types of infections that we see, and herpes is, this is one thing that makes 
it's very challenging. This is a challenging diagnosis at times because herpes can look like a lot of different things. You can get your classic like sores on the eyelid. You can get dendritic lesions. This is basically like this branching pattern on the cornea that you put a little dye on the surface of the eye and it kind of lights up. It can manifest as kind of just swelling of the cornea, that front clear covering of the eye. Or it can just look like inflammation inside the eye. Or you can get necrosis of your retina, the back of the eye. So it can affect every, every part of the eye, can be affected by herpes, which actually makes it kind of challenging to diagnose. So anytime we see something that kind of looks infectious, we're not quite sure, it's, but it's a little weird. It's not like your classic like, like corneal ulcer from contact lens wear. It, just, it looks a little different. Something we don't see all the time. We constantly, we immediately will think, could this be herpes? That's like, that's like just a, a, a reoccurring loop in our brain. Anytime we see an eye infection, could this be herpes? Most of the time, nah, this isn't herpes. It's conjunctivitis. It's a corneal ulcer from contact lens wear. It's not, not, not HSV. But sometimes we, th- we ask ourselves that question like, oh, yeah, this kind of does look like, like, uh, like, like herpes. When you see a dendrite, that's very classically herpes, that branching infection on the cornea. It's very, sometimes very pretty appearing. Uh, but sometimes it's not so easy. Sometimes you get just this, this corneal swelling. Sometimes you get these deep blood vessels that start growing into the cornea that, that uh, can be seen in a variety of different diseases. And so it can, it's one of these masquerading types of infections that it can be anything. Honestly, it could be, a, maybe it's syphilis. Maybe, it, you know, it, it could be sometimes lymphoma. There's, uh, it, it's, uh, uh, it, it's sometimes challenging, which is why I have a lot of respect for my cornea specialist colleagues, because in fact, this just happened a couple of weeks ago. I had a patient had some interesting scarring in the cornea that wasn't sure what to make of it. Sent it to my cornea specialist. Like, Oh, that's herpes. I was like, God, really? I should have known that. But I, I didn't, that was like the one time I didn't think, could this be herpes? And it turns out it was. So um, it is it is common enough, but it can appear in uncommon ways. I guess that's the point. So, um, but you know, the, the, the typical symptoms that people will have with this disease is uh, uh, pain, especially like localized to the front of the eye, light sensitivity. That's a big one. Really, anytime you have like a cornea infection, you're going to get pretty light sensitive. Um, which also could indicate that there's some inflammation inside the eye, what we call uveitis. Uh, your eye is going to get really red, typically with, with herpes infection, herpes simplex. It's going to be, or herpes zoster, which is another type of herpes virus uh, that, that's, uh, that you see in shingles. It's unilateral. Now, it can be bilateral, but usually that requires the patient to be pretty immunocompromised for there to be bilateral involvement. So typically it's unilateral. And it's always the same eye, right? People can have, like I mentioned, recurrent herpes infections, but that's uh, often, um, uh, it often happens in the same eye. It doesn't usually kind of go back and forth, which is a clue, right? If I have someone that comes in with these weird findings, but it was in the other eye once and then this eye, it's probably not going to be herpes unless they have some kind of immunodeficiency. Um, Let's see, what else? What other manifestations? I mentioned real quickly the retinal necrosis. Uh, that's a scary thing. And I've, I've only seen that once and it's, it's absolutely devastating when you see that, because that is, uh, most of those patients don't regain any vision. They have all kinds of complications, retinal detachments. They can go blind, but it, it is much, much less 
common than the typical manifestations of herpes in the eye, um, uh, which is the uh, um, the dendrite lesions. You could also just get like a conjunctivitis. I, I'm telling you guys, it could look like a bunch of different things. So yeah, if you got a red, painful, angry eye, like go see either an optometrist or an ophthalmologist, or if you don't have an eye doctor, go to your primary care doctor and they'll find one for you. Uh, um, and, uh, you know, but it's, it's, people are pretty, pretty in, in quite a bit of pain. It's always going to be one eye, right? One eye. Um, how do we treat it? So, um, what we do, especially for, for the most common forms of this, which is the, the surface, the corneal infection, we will prescribe an antibiotic. Now, the reason we do that is because if you have a, a surface corneal infection, what we call epithelial keratitis, epithelium, top layer, keratitis is what, how we say cornea because we got to always make things more complicated sounding, uh, epithelial keratitis, HSV, epithelial keratitis, that's the dendrites that I'm talking about. So if you have something like that, we always cover the patient with a, figuratively, not literally, uh, with, with an, a, a topical antibiotic um, in order to prevent a secondary bacterial infection because that cornea is at risk for developing a bacterial infection when they have that viral active virus on the surface of the eye. We don't want that. That makes things so much more complicated. So we'll go ahead and cover them with a, with a topical antibiotic like ofloxacin is a very common example that I use. Uh, and then we'll also, I, we treat with oral antivirals. Now there are topical antivirals and I see p- patients that come in who were treated in urgent care or anywhere else, uh, uh, and they were given a topical antiviral. There, there are studies. There was a classic study called the HEADS trial. I'm not going to go into it, but they, they, they use, that's what they use. They use topical anti- antiviral. It is extremely toxic to the eye. Patients don't tolerate it very well. And the oral antiviral medications like acyclovir, valacyclovir, they have excellent penetration to the cornea. They will treat the virus. So I never, never, except in rare, I can think of maybe one time that I've prescribed a topical antiviral uh, in the, all the years I've been doing this. And uh, the oral, oral is, is the way to go. Oral is the way to go. So um, for HSV, you know, you give 800 milligram or sorry, uh, 500, <laughs> 400 milligrams of acyclovir five times a day. Got to treat it pretty frequently. The reason valacyclovir is a little bit better, which is the brand name Valtrex, is because it's only three times a day. A little bit more expensive though. Uh, and so, um, uh, so we'll treat orally, and which which takes care of it for the most part. And uh, patients do very well. Now, if someone comes in, they've had uh, a multiple recurrences, like this virus, God damn, it just keeps coming back over and over again. They've had three, four, five recurrences. A lot of times, we'll put them on prophylaxis. We'll just t- say, hey, take two pills of acyclovir every day or one pill or one pill of valacyclovir uh, just to, because we know this thing's going to keep coming back unless we just keep it suppressed. And uh, patients do fine with that. You know, they've patients that have been on uh, uh, prophylaxis for years. Um, and so that's how we treat it. Again, the, God, the topicals, they're just nasty. The big thing, one thing you don't ever do when you have active virus on the eye, those dendrites, you don't put steroid on it. It's like it's food for viruses. All right. It's going to, it could blow it up, make it so much worse. So just avoid the steroids, the steroid eye drops. If you're a person that, that prescribes eye drops. 
Uh, what else? What else? What else? <laughs> what? What can you? What else can you possibly know? I feel like most people are like, "Oh, thank God, it's not a genital herpes thing." Like, no, you don't got to rub your eye on somebody's genitals to get this. Um, it's that's it's not that kind of thing. People are very reassured actually <laughs> that I that it doesn't mean they have like genital herpes. Um, and so uh, if uh, I'm sure this podcast, this episode is smooth sailing after some people learn that. Yeah, I think that just about does it. I think you guys have had enough. I've had enough about uh, about about uh, herpes. All right. So um, if you want to hear about other types of eye infections, I'm happy to oblige. I haven't done a, a I haven't done an episode on like just straight up viral versus bacterial conjunctivitis. I guess I could do that. It's not the most interesting topic, mainly because I personally feel like bacterial conjunctivitis is disgusting. Is like my least favorite thing to talk about. And to see, it's it's just soupy eyes. And uh, anything you can describe as soupy is not going to be a fun uh, experience. Uh, so I could do that. I could do, uh, we, we, I do need to do a syphilis episode. Because syphilis is, in a lot of ways, it's one of these masqueraders. It's, it's very similar to herpes in that uh, it can look like a lot of different things. There's a lot to the herpes discussion we didn't go over because I didn't want to get too into the weeds, even though that's the point of this podcast. Knock, knock, I is about getting into the weeds of eyeballs but like low weeds like contained weeds not not marshes and and of you know force we we want to we want to keep it i want to keep you listening all right so uh that's it for herpes uh let me know what you thought let me know if you have any suggestions i i just yesterday i was going through i was going through the comments uh mostly on on youtube is when i see most of the comments here so go on youtube uh, 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 comment. Let me know what kind of topics you want. I get all my ideas from you guys uh, uh, hearing about you. Also, I have a Patreon. I get com- I get ideas from Patreon as well. So um, that's associated with the knock knock high. No, but this is this is the whole ep- the whole podcast. Knock knock high. Knock knock high. Um, you can check that out. Find all the information at glockenflecken.com. Uh, you can find information about our podcast and the Patreon. And uh, just uh, let me know what you want to hear about. What you're curious about with eyeballs. Thank you all for listening. I'm your host, Will Flannery, also known as Dr. Glock and Flagon. Special thanks to our executive producers, Aaron Corney, Rob Goldman, and Shanti Brook, editor and engineers, Jason Portizo. Our music is by Omer Benzvi. Knock Knock I, Knock Knock I, and Knock Knock High is a human content production. Take care, everyone.